Trigger warning. The podcast you're about to listen to may contain acts of violence, sexual assault, molestation, rape, and other forms of various acts against men, women, and children. If you are easily triggered or offended by such acts, please do not listen to this podcast any further. Also, there may be a high usage of profanity and explicit language in this podcast. If you are offended by any of the things that I've mentioned, please do not listen to this podcast any further. Please take this warning. Please. Thank you. Also, this podcast is meant for audiences 18 years and older. Like I said, if you are easily triggered by such events and can be easily offended by them, please do not listen any further. Thank you. Hey everybody, this is going to be episode 2 of a Man Apart podcast. Title for this episode is going to be Why God, Why? So, before I start this episode, I uh, got some critiques from some friends of mine. One of them I thought was very good and might be able to help reach out to a lot more people. I'm not going to try to draw off as many F-bombs as I did in the previous episode. In fact, I think this one's going to be profanity-free. Even though I had the trigger warning earlier that you just heard about there being profanity and explicit language, I'm going to try not to drop any F-bombs through this. The reason being is, is that the subject I'm about to talk about does involve the Christian faith. And I want to get it out there before I even start that I have, I don't want this to be a contentious debate. This isn't a philosophical debate. This subject is simply going to be about a question that has always driven me as a person. And it's the question why. Above any other question there is on this earth in our language, why is what drives me the most. I think why that question is what drives logic, reasoning. It really gets you to look into the motives of people. You know, why did Johnny put his hand in the cookie jar? Why did Johnny break the rules to put his hand in the cookie jar? You know, and when you actually figure out the reason why, then you know the real motive behind it. Because it's not the fact that Johnny put his hand in the cookie jar, it's why he put his hand in the cookie jar that's more important. At least that's my opinion. That's how I feel, and that's how my mind works. So that could be another reason why I am a man apart, because I, I question, I doubt, I, you know, I, I constantly try to figure out the reasoning. You know, why do these pedophiles offend? Why are they attracted to children? Why do they harm children? You know, what's the purpose of it? What's the reasoning for it? Because you want to find reasoning and logic in this unreasonable and crazy world that we live in. You always do. It, it's why we search for the answers. It's why we type in keywords in Google to figure things out. It's why we listen to podcasts. It's why we listen to other people. It's why we have conversations. It's how you grow and learn is by asking why. 
So with that being said, let's dig into this subject and figure out what I mean by why God, why. Every single case, story, telling of a, of a survivor's abuse, I end up asking these two words followed by a string of other words that formulate a sentence which makes us question. But the two first words are always, why God? Why God did you allow this to happen? Why, God, do you allow these children to suffer? Why, God, is there so much evil that reigns so freely here on this earth? And it's the driving factor, I think, behind this as well, to wanting to spread awareness because with so much evil that there is around in the world, it's hard to just not combat evil with the good, you know, to just sit by and let it run free. And, and rain among your lands, you know. I, so many deep-ended questions. So many philosophical debates we can go into. When I'm usually talking to preachers, Christians, theologians, people who are men of God, women of God, I usually end up getting two answers to my question. You know, why does God allow this to happen? The first answer is going to be the free will answer. Well, you know, God gave us free will. We have, the, we have the choice, the ability to freely choose what we want to do, whether that's going to be good or evil. And, of course, I always thought of that as kind of a BS escape answer. See, I didn't cuss. The second one is the other one that really befuddles me and confounds me a lot, and that is, well, this trauma that happens, this, this, this horrible thing that happens, there's some good that's going to come out of it. That's part of God's plan. The, God, the God's plan answer, right? The master plan, the, 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 the bigger picture I can't see. I actually talked to a young man one time. He was a, he was a youth pastor at a church I was going to at a time. And um, he was at the final stages of his life. He was young, but he had cancer. And I think it was, at stage, I think it was a stage four lung cancer he had. His name was Jordan. Very smart young man. God, was that guy smart. I mean, he just had the best answers for any of my questions and made me think. Really made me critically think. So we were discussing one time about uh, pedophiles. We were discussing about a lot of different other atrocities in this world. A Holocaust came up in as well. And it was tied in with, you know, evil and everything like that. And I asked him a question. I said, why did God allow, you know, like when discussing the Holocaust, why did God allow six million Jews to be exterminated? I thought this was God's people. You know, or, or why does God allow children to be molested and raped, Jordan? And he gave me a very profound answer. And it wasn't until after he passed away that I actually had a good rebuttal answer for him, or rebuttal question, I should say, for him. And I wish he would still been alive. Because... It was very it was very much a, a cruel sense of irony how he passed away. He had lung cancer and he never smoked a day in his life. Just a cruel sense of irony in my opinion. But anyway, this is the answer he told me. He said, "You know, Jeremy, uh, 
if you had a child, let's just say you had a grown grown child, right? Let's say you had a 25-year-old man that was a child. He goes and he murders, kills a bunch of people. He becomes a serial murderer, right? Do you think it's right for the courts, for the law, for the justice system to charge you for those murders and to blame you for all those murders? Or do you think it's more appropriate to blame the man who did them, which would be your son, but do you think that'd be more appropriate? And of course, when he put it in those terms, I'm like, yeah, you're right. He went on to say, you know, a lot of people want to blame God first, but in reality, it's it's mankind's free will. And he had a very good answer. Unfortunately, I forgot the mo- the gist of it, but it, it was profound when I heard it. God, I wish he was still alive. I'd love to have done a podcast. I'd love to have done a, done a one-on-one with him on this podcast. So that answer stuck with me for a while. It didn't really placate me, but it didn't subside my, my anger and aggression toward pedophiles. It didn't really satisfy me to a degree that I thought that was that, that that was an acceptable answer. I thought it was a very critically thinking answer, and it did make me critically think. The question I would have rebutted back to him would have been this. And let's say same father, same son scenario, you know, serial killer son. Would the father be guilty if he knew about the murders, he knew they were going to happen, and he had the ability to stop them but didn't and allowed this tragedy to happen? Do you think then the father would be guilty? And I think a lot of you would probably say yes. If it was a if it was a man that knew about his son planning murders and killing people, a lot of you probably would stop it if you had the ability to. I think that's a fair and honest assessment of a situation like that. But how come is it that we don't take that same frame of mind and put that with God when evil does happen. I notice, and I don't mean this to be contentious. Like I said, I don't mean this to offend any Christians at all. It's an honest question that I have. And I I can't seem to find the answer for it, you know. I just can't. Nobody does. I don't think anybody really does have an answer to it. Because this is a religion that you got to understand is based on faith. But we're in a physical world. You know, and we're talking about a spiritual, ethereal being who is supposed to be all-knowing, all-seeing, and all-powerful. So my faith has been questioned, you know, has been put into question a lot over the years, especially when it comes to these events, these tragedies, these atrocities, really. That's what it is. Child being raped, molested, abused. That's an atrocity. It, it, it's it's devastating, not only for the child. It, it's devastating for anybody that, you know, for for a lot of people. I mean, it, it affects me. And I'm, you know, I don't, I don't have no personal connection with a lot of these victims. But I guess having a sense of compassion and empathy, you, you, you feel that pain. Because you know what pain feels like. And, but this is a pain that you never experienced, so it's an unimaginable pain, right? And it just breaks my heart. It causes sorrow. You know, 
I was taught growing up in the church, I was taught growing up in Christianity that, you know, God protects his people. God protects children, you know, to keep them safe. I mean, that's why we say our prayers every night. That's why we pray for our families so that God can keep them safe and keep them protected. And yet these things happen to his own people. It happens in the church a lot more than a lot of people think. Um, there's a lot of countless stories of people being molested by people in high positions in the church. Not really the preachers, per se, but there are preachers that have done it. There are, uh, you know, maybe like deacons, maybe people who are just leaders in the church community. You know, not really officially titled leaders, but they, they, they have good moral standing in their community of their church. Why doesn't God's protection go to those children, right? Like it, it's the why, again. It's constantly the why. And so I wrestle with that a lot. I wrestle with it so much. It, it shakes my faith. I, I'll, I'll say it like that. It's hard to have faith when you, when you hear about these things. It really is. It really does, you know. It just shakes me to my core. Um, I'll give you a prime example of one that's recently made me think back on these questions and think back on how I feel about this subject with God and and, and these and these atrocities. There's a little there was a little boy about a, and right now it's we're at the end of August in 2022, so around July of uh, 2022, there was a story that broke out in Homa. And maybe a lot of you haven't heard of it. I, I know I tried to cover it whenever I when I first heard about it. There was this little boy. I'm trying not to cry because I'm I'm starting to tear up now. His name was Ezekiel Harry. And I'll give you a few seconds to type that. In. You know, pause if you need to. Go go look up his story. It is heartbreaking. Um Sorry, y'all. Sorry. So Ezekiel um, was that, you know, had Ezekiel, uh, Ezekiel's mom and dad were separated or never together or whatever the case. I don't really don't know the whole dynamic, but I know that Ezekiel's dad was a single father. Ezekiel's mom was a single mother with a boyfriend. And, you know, they had split custody or some kind of deal like that. When Ezekiel was staying with his mama, his his mama had a boyfriend, and one day his mama's boyfriend beat Ezekiel to death. I mean, beat him to where his body became limp and lifeless. Two years old. This two-year-old, beautiful little baby boy. I'll describe him since we're listening to a podcast. You can't see a picture of him, but he was a little black baby boy with these big beautiful eyes and the biggest smile when I saw the picture and when I heard the report when I was watching the news story like I'm doing now I cried because what his mama and boyfriend and her boyfriend did 
was horrible afterwards. Instead of calling somebody and reporting it, instead of his mama, sorry, instead of his mama calling the ambulance, police, whatever, she decides to take her two-year-old baby boy, the lifeless body of Ezekiel Harry, and stuff him in a duffel bag. Not only do that, but the two of them, his mama and the boyfriend, walk around town until they find a trash can to stuff that duffel bag in with Ezekiel's lifeless, limp body. My question that I have for a lot of you people here listening. What is God's plan in all that with a dead baby? What does a dead baby who didn't get a chance to grow up, who didn't get a chance to live, who didn't get to experience life, what's the grand plan and all that? Not only did he not get to experience life, he had three other older siblings who lost their baby brother. A dad who loved his his children lost his baby son. Where do you find the grand pitch, the, the, the bigger picture in that? This man's world was crushed. This father, this world got crushed. All because Ezekiel's mama decided to be with a guy. And this is the kicker, y'all. He had charges in the past. Cruelty to juveniles. That means he beaten other juveniles before. It means he's beaten other children. I'm silent for a second to let you let that sink in in your minds. Because I the question that came back to my mind after I heard that story and after I finished crying why God? Why? Why did his last moments on this earth had to be in pain and suffering when he got blow after blow after blow. You imagine beating a two-year-old to death with your bare hands, a grown man, strong grown man, punching him in the head, the ribs, stomach, back, legs, throwing him against the wall and just continued to beating on him until he just couldn't move anymore. You tell me, where was God's hand of protection in that? Now you know why I have questions for my faith. This little boy never got to grow up, go to school, make friends, 
learn life lessons, find love, find a first love, a first kiss, a first crush, you know, go to elementary school, middle school, high school, go to be on the football team probably or basketball team or, or, or debate team or chess team or whatever teams they got now for kids. Didn't get to post his first selfie, you know, didn't get to, you know, go hang out with his friends for the first time by himself without his parents around, you know. He didn't get to go grow up and, and date somebody and start, you know, marry somebody and have kids. Some of you that are listening and probably have already, and then some. He didn't get none of that. What did he get? His final moments on this earth? Pain. Unbearable, agonizing pain. That's why I ask these questions. Because it all comes back around to the victims and their pain. And how can, you know, and how they try to overcome it. It's it's a hard thing. I'm not saying that the victims of rape and and sexual molestation and and, and child rape and sex and child abuse. <coughs> I'm not saying they can't come back from it. I'm not saying that they should live their life as their for their trauma to be their identity. No way, shape, or form should I ever say that. I just got. I'm just a man who drives trucks for a living. And was taught to believe that God would protect these little babies. Protect these little children. And as I get older, I find out that ain't the case. But I can't just blindly and accept that it's part of his grand plan. I can't blindly accept that it's just because of free will. That's like blindly accepting, well, the government's going to protect me. No. I, I can't, you know, we can't, we, we don't blindly believe everything that somebody tells us. So why would we blindly believe that, I guess? And I know it's a very contentious thing to think about, and I don't mean to offend any Christians at all. I grew up as a Christian. I grew up in, in multiple different facets of Christianity. I grew up in Catholicism, I grew up in Pentecostal faith. I grew up in the Baptist faith. I grew I grew up in the uh, non-denominational faith. You know, Christianity. There's so many different subsects and segments of Christianity that I've been a part of and seen. It's hard for me to to follow in that faith with so much evil in this world, and I think. Because I had that faith shaped like that, it's what helped, I know it helped create the hatred I had in my heart. And I know hatred is nothing to accept. It's nothing to embrace. Because hatred is a poison that the more you drink, the thirstier you become. But you want it to quench your thirst. And it does nothing but turn you into a bitter person. 
And that's not who I wanted to become. You know, I was telling a lot of people that, you know, if I'm going to have all this hatred in my heart, I'm going to be a monster. I might as well be a monster for good. I got this passion, this love in my heart for people. And the biggest soft spot in it, I'm sorry y'all, I'm crying. I'm thinking about that little boy. Still. But the biggest soft spot I got is dogs and children. You know, um, I can't stand to hear those type of stories about them being abused or hurt or killed without some type of anger welling up inside of me. It's because that passion that I have drives me to that. You know, I I just, I can't shake it sometimes. I feel like when I read the Bible, when I studied the Bible, I studied Jesus' apostles, right? His original disciples, the 12. There was one that I really felt connected with, and that was St. Thomas. Thomas Didymus, I think is how you pronounced his last name. And it meant twin. Because it was the same it was it meant twin in Greek and it meant, and it meant twin in uh Aramaic. <sighs> I remember this story and it's always stuck with me. I, I think I heard this story twenty five years ago. And it was just a parable story. And it was about Saint Thomas. He was on a beach and he was trying to contemplate the mysteries of God, right? He was trying to figure it out. And Thomas was called Thomas a doubter because when Jesus came back from the grave, he doubted the resurrection until he actually saw the scars and confessed and, and re, you know reestablished his faith with Jesus after that because he didn't believe it. He said, there's no way Jesus came back. Even though Jesus told all his disciples that, Thomas was the main one that said, I don't believe it. I got to see it for myself. And I feel like, I, f- I feel like, like that's part of my character. You know, that's part of my characteristics is that I got to see it to believe. And this parable, I remember, it was very profound, very profound in my life. St. Thomas was walking along a beach, like I said. He was contemplating the mysteries of God. And as he was sitting there praying to God, think, trying to figure out the bigger picture, I guess, the grand plan. This little boy comes along the beach. He has a bucket in his hand and a little shovel. And he goes and digs a hole in the beach. Digs a small, shallow hole, maybe about a foot or two in the, in, in the sand. He takes that bucket and he goes over to the ocean. Scoops up the water, pours in the hole, goes back to the ocean, scoops up some water, and pours in the hole. And after a while, 
you know, some time passes and he keeps just steadily doing that. Just steadily, steadily, steadily. St. Thomas looked over eventually, you know, took notice of it. And he got up from where he was sitting at and he walked over to this little boy. And he said, little boy, what are you doing? The little boy looked up at Thomas and said, I'm trying to put this ocean, trying to put all the water in the ocean in this hole. Thomas looked at him, he kind of laughed, and he said, that's crazy. Nobody can do that. That's impossible. Then the little boy looked at Thomas and said, it's just as impossible as trying to figure out the mysteries of God. Turns into an angel, flies up to heaven, and it left Thomas awestruck and dumbstruck at the same time. I will never forget that story. And it does tie into for a long time I didn't question the bigger plan. You know, the, the grand scheme of things for God, right? I don't call it a scheme, it's the bigger picture for God, right? It's master plan, that's what they call it. Oh man. I it's hard to fathom it it really is and I know there's going to be a lot of people who there is a lot of people that think the way I do and it's probably never never came back to Christianity because of that those questions I'm not trying to persuade anybody to leave their faith I'm not trying to persuade anybody to go back to their faith like I said I'm just a man with, with a lot of questions that I don't think this world can give me any answers to and I hope that if I die, God takes pity on me and knows that I have a good heart. And knows that despite all my sins, when it came time to it, I tried to do what was right because that's how I was raised. You protect the weak. You protect the fatherless. You protect the widow. It's in the Bible. Even Jesus said that. But how can I become a protector without feeling like a monster? Because how do you fight evil if you're not strong enough? To be like evil, right? How do you kill a monster? You gotta become a monster hunter. How do you slay a giant? You gotta be a giant slayer, right? <sighs> a lot of people are gonna disagree with me on what I just said, and that's fine. That's your opinion. Just like this is my opinion. Like I said, I got a lot of questions on this earth. And it's what drives me. It really does. I know this has been very heavy and very deep. I thought I'd record this today because this was going to be my next topic anyway. But it just kind of... Some conversations I had with people earlier today kind of propelled me to want to do this quicker and sooner. Um, I'm not going to say that my episodes are going to drop as quickly as this, but this was on my mind all day. And so I just wanted y'all to know I asked that question 
And I just really want to know why. I'm not looking for the I'm not looking for you to give me the answers. I really am not. I just want you to think and if it opens up a discussion, if it opens up you know, an answer that's satisfactory until I die, then that's fine too. But if it doesn't, that's also fine. Because I'm learning as I go and I'm I'm growing along the way. For anybody that's that is a victim that suffered abuse like that, pedophilia, rape, you know, molestation, whatever the case is, even physical abuse. I just want you to know that you're not alone. You're not worthless. You're not unworthy of love. That somebody will find you and love you one day. And that they're not going to want anything but your love from you. And I truly believe that for you. I truly believe you can heal from the damages that those monsters gave you. I truly believe you can... You can heal from the trauma... And not only heal from it, but be stronger by it and protect others from it. That I do believe. Maybe that might be the bigger picture in it all. I don't know. Maybe your one trauma might be the the reason why 10 other kids don't get traumatized. Maybe. Or maybe we should just end pedophilia in a very absolute and critical way maybe I'm just too extreme thinking that (laughs) I don't know the answers y'all but I got a lot of questions and that's why I always say why God why well I appreciate y'all listening to me I know it's a little bit shorter than my first intro episode and I promise you I will be dropping more content in the future very soon I'm going to try to do an, I have a couple of interviews set up one of them I'm going to try to do for the first time and doing it on this app so please bear with me uh, a lot of interesting stories to tell for sure and it's to spread the awareness of pedophilia and that there is hope for survivors In no way, shape, or form do I glorify or want to promote any type of vigilante justice or any of these, I almost cussed, any of these horrible acts that have been done to these, you know, children, women, and men. All I can say to you folks is that if you know somebody has been through it, or if you know somebody that is going through it, listen to this story. Love them and be there for them. And let them know they're not alone and that let them know that you care because that's what they want to know. And that you'll do whatever you can in your power to protect them. Hold your kids tight. Hold your wives tight. Hold your husbands tight. Hold your friends tight. And just love on them. Guys, ladies, gentlemen or whatever pronoun you want to 
identify as. I don't care. I, I love you all equally. And with that, be safe, be blessed, and be filled with love. Love you guys.